Welcome to the Ideas That Change the World podcast with Rabbi Manus Friedman, where we make sure your life will be changed for the better, one idea at a time. Rabbi Friedman is the number one voice of clarity on moral and social issues. So what are we waiting for? Let's go change the world. On the subject of kashrut, keeping a kosher home, first thing we need to know is that this is not a health law. There's a whole section in the Code of Jewish Law concerning health habits, particularly in Rambam, who was also a doctor. But the laws of kashrut, the laws of kosher, are not health laws. And that's why they don't apply to non-Jews. If they were health laws, everyone would need to keep them. They're irrational, like not mixing meat and milk. There is no physical, practical benefit. It's one of those laws that it does something for God, it doesn't do much for us other than connect us to God when we keep kosher because it's significant to him. So first, a thought on laws that we don't understand. The laws we do understand have a certain restriction and limit to them. It's like somebody said, if everything God said made sense to me, I would be suspicious that this wasn't God speaking. (laughs) Because if everything he says makes sense to me, then I could be God. You expect to hear from God things that human beings would never imagine. People say that at Mount Sinai, when the Ten Commandments were given, there must have been a lot of disappointment. (laughs) Fifty days we prepared for the event at Sinai. We left Egypt, we traveled, we looked forward, we got ready. God was going to talk to us. (laughs) What what did people imagine they were going to hear? You know, something mysterious, something otherworldly, don't steal, don't kill, be nice to your mother? <laughs> this, you know, for this we went to college? So, we're surprised by what pleases God. Like, God needs me to honor my mother? It's his commandment. <laughs> Seems like it would be my need more than his. But he commands it. There's something in it for him. And that's a little mysterious. So, what does it mean, a mitzvah that we don't understand? It means God's thinking on his level, not on our level. God think is not human think. So it's not surprising that there would be things in God's repertoire that we we don't see any benefit. Now, we can argue that there is a physical, material, practical, pragmatic benefit. We we just don't see it yet. We don't need to do that. It's okay for God to want things that I would never want and to see things in a way that I would never see. In fact, we we should be aware that that's true of marriage, too. 
<laughs> it's not only God who is mysterious. Every spouse is mysterious. Every person other than me has needs, wants, opinions, views that I don't share at all. Otherwise, we would be clones. Those things that we do not understand should be more precious to us than the, than the ones we do. Because when we don't understand it, now we know we're hearing something purely godly. When we do understand it, we treat it like something casual. We shouldn't, but we do. So the mitzvahs of keeping kosher, they're, they're totally mysterious. And the mystery begins with the question of why would what we eat make any difference at all? What's the difference? You're hungry, eat something, go back to work. Be so picky about your food that God would be particular about what we eat? That, that's already mysterious. Like some people say, God is concerned with what comes out of your mouth, but nah, he wouldn't be concerned with what goes into your mouth. That kind of makes sense on a human level. So when God does take an interest in what we eat, we're seeing something about him that is really deserving of some thought. There are social laws not to steal, not to kidnap, not to cheat, to have honest scales. The laws go on and on, hundreds of them. We understand that. You can't have civilization without them. So that God would be concerned with civil, social uh, behavior seems worthy of him. Makes sense that he would get involved. But what I eat for breakfast? Come on. How, how, do, you, how do you even accept the idea that it would make a difference to the infinite, eternal being whether I eat meat from this animal or that animal. So, when we hear and we read the commandments about kosher and separation of meat and milk and so on, we're being told something about God that we would never have suspected. It matters. And it matters in two ways. First, it matters in our behavior. Secondly, it matters in the plan of creation. There are certain plants, for example, that are poisonous. Can't eat them. There are some plants that are neutral. They're not poison, but they have no nutrition for the human being. For the animal it does, but for the human being it doesn't. So there's no point in chewing on grass. Then there are plants that would otherwise be usable to the human being, useful, but God said no. So what are we seeing? We are seeing 
that God created plants that will kill us if we try to eat it. God created plants that will do us no good if we do eat it. And God created plants that he does not intend to be used as food for the Jew. So God created the, the, the pig with a different purpose, with a different plan than he created the cow. So what makes the cow kosher and the pig non-kosher? God's intention. If he created it for a different purpose, then, then they're different in their essence. Different species, different being, different something. So by eating the non-kosher food, we're violating the plan in God's nature. This animal was not meant for you to consume. So don't abuse it or misuse it. So that's as far as the animal itself is concerned. But then there's the human. When we do a mitzvah, whether it's a positive mitzvah or a negative mitzvah, we're basically aligning ourselves with God's purpose in creation. So when I think, am I going to keep kosher or not? What's the question? Should I keep kosher? Do I want to keep kosher? What's the question? The question is, will I get anything from it? Usually that's, will this be good for me? Will it do anything for me? The only thing it will do for you is, you will be in harmony with God's plan. Any mitzvah. If God created the seventh day of the week to be a day of rest, and you're resting, you're in harmony with his plan. Or to put it in, in, in simple language, when he rests, we rest with him. So he created the world in six days and rests on the seventh, so we rest with him. During the six days he's busy creating, we create with him. We are creative. But on Shabbos we stop. Why? Because he stopped. So every mitzvah is basically staying on the same page with God. Following his lead. So if God says, this animal was not meant for you to eat. This uh, being is not meant for you to worship. So don't worship the sun or the moon. It's not what it's there for. Okay, so by doing the mitzvah or not doing the sin, I'm basically staying in harmony with God. The question is, God's purpose in creation, is it some vast eternal plan that has to do with cosmic issues? Or does every detail of creation express God's purpose? So why do we eat at all? Why did God create us dependent on food? Because in his plan, even what you eat serves his purpose, if you eat properly. Everything we do, how we dress, how we talk, how we treat each other. And really, this is the only thing that makes any sense at all, because to say that God is very concerned with how I treat you 
because that's a social law. But he really is not concerned with how I behave in my own, in my own home. So he doesn't really care how I treat myself. He only cares how I treat you. That doesn't really make any sense. If he's too infinite to care about me, why isn't he too infinite to care about you? So if he doesn't care what I do with my dollar, why would he care if I steal your dollar? Why is your dollar more significant than mine? So if I eat a non-kosher sandwich, God couldn't care less. But if I steal the sandwich from you, oh, now we got a serious problem. Now, if, if he's too infinite to care, then he is too infinite to care about the universe, which is finite. Infinite and finite are vastly separated and have nothing in common. So unless God is concerned with everything, he's probably not concerned with anything. Because infinite means nothing is too big and nothing is too small. If some things are too small for God to care about, then he's not infinite anymore. Because some things are too small for him. That's human. I can't be bothered with what sandwich you eat. I can't be bothered. That's true. I only have so much energy and I got to choose my battles and I really can't be bothered. But if I had infinite energy, then I could be bothered because I have time and energy for everything. So real infinite infinity means God is concerned with the tiniest details of his creation because he created it. It must be significant. So the beauty of keeping kosher is you're introducing God's interest in creating food, in creating the need for food, in creating the appetite for food, and creating the effect that the food has on us. He's very engaged, even in something as mundane as eating. And so from now on, when we eat, we eat with more awareness, more respect for the food, for our dependence on the food. There's something in God's plan that makes all this necessary. So since he created the whole phenomenon of eating, our reaction should be, you invented eating, you tell us how we, you want us to eat. When? How much? Which foods? On Yom Kippur, no food? Okay, no food. On Pesach, a lot of matzah? Okay, I'll eat matzah. It's your plan. I'll do it your way. If it was up to me, I don't eat anything at all. I don't want to be dependent on food. It's a handicap. But you created me with this need. Okay, then let's do it your way. That's the idea behind kosher. Let's do it your way. Because I don't need this. <laughs> I need to stop eating and I can't. So it, it, it brings godliness 
into the world, but into the most mundane and unsuspected, unexpected part of the world. Even there, we can be relating to God.